the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Major League Baseball, which has essentially become an enforcement arm of the Democrat Party, which is so sad to see because I grew up as a baseball fan. The 05 White Sox, I think, one of the greatest baseball teams of all time. They never get any credit for it. Loved watching the Cubs win the World Series in 2016. And baseball, I always loved because it was a uniquely American sport. It didn't have as much of a focus on pure athleticism. Instead, on skill, focus, your ability to perform under pressure. They called it America's pastime for a reason. Major League Baseball, run by very cowardly people that do not understand politics, elections, and quite honestly are afraid of being called the R-word, they made a decision to move the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, thanks to the insistence of Joe Biden, amongst other leaders, out of Atlanta to Denver, Colorado. So Atlanta is 52% black. The All-Star Game would have represented a $100 million economic stimulus to black-owned businesses, and thousands of black Americans would have been employed working in the All-Star Game or working in the activities around there. Instead, to try and protest racial injustice, Major League Baseball pulls the All-Star Game to go to one of the whitest metropolitan areas in the country, Denver, which is 10% black. So let me get this straight. To fight systemic racism, you pull an economic stimulus out of black-run businesses and communities into young, white, upper-middle-class communities in the mountains. That's your idea of fighting systemic racism and injustice? No. There's something else happening here. Of course, that wasn't their intention, and it's important to point that out because it actually does the opposite of what they say they're going to do, but there's something deeper happening here. On this program, and I encourage you all to check out our podcast, we talk, of course, about how Major League Baseball requires an identification when you go to will call tickets. Good luck going to Wrigley Field and saying, hey, I'm here. Give me my tickets. They're going to say, sir, we're going to need some identification. Well, according to the Major League Baseball catechism, according to Major League Baseball's new social teaching, according to Major League Baseball's school of ethics, that's racist. Yet Major League Baseball will require identification for all of their employees and identification for anyone that goes to pick up tickets or even to go into one of their luxurious boxes at some of the nicest Major League Baseball stadiums across the country. If Major League Baseball actually believed 
that Georgia was engaging in Jim Crow on steroids, like Joe Biden said, then they would have canceled all 82 games of the upcoming Major League Baseball season in Georgia. But the Braves still have home games. So what's really going on here? It's so obvious, and yet very few people are talking about it. The goal by the activist groups was to inflict pain on Georgia and Brian Kemp and to send a message to Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Arizona. If you try to reform your elections, you're going to feel a wrath. Simply put, this was a move of political deterrence. It almost reminds me of the neoconservative domino theory. It's almost like stopping the spread of reformed elections throughout Southeast Asia the same way that we justified getting involved in Vietnam or in Korea. That if we don't get involved now and we do not have vast military intervention today, then other countries might become communist. That same driving paranoia is exactly why they did what they did in Georgia. They went scorched earth, stop it early, make an example, public display of strength. You watching Arizona, you try to reform your elections, you might lose the final four. You might lose NFL football games. We're going to make it hurt. Now, this all was conducted by the man who ran as a unifier. The man who, in his inaugural address, said he was there to bring the country together. And instead, he waged economic warfare like he was Douglas MacArthur trying to reclaim the Philippines on Fulton County, Georgia. See, Joe Biden got his marching orders from Ron Klain and the Democrat activists, and they said, if we do not fight this publicly and at the highest level of outrage, this is going to spread. We cannot normalize the reforming of our elections. If this happens through the states, then we might be out of power, and that is what keeps Democrats up at night. Not the decay of the country, not people losing their jobs, not all the other issues we're grappling with, but the fact that Democrats might not be in power one day, that is an unthinkable proposition. So they engaged in the domino theory. Make an example out of Georgia. Go call the happy idiots at Delta and Coca-Cola. All they care about is their corporate bonuses. They have no backbone. We control the HR departments. We control the universities and the media. We'll get the president to say a couple things that he'll be fact-checked on, but the media won't hold him accountable for. And we will move the Overton window that when you actually expand voting access like the Georgia law does, which, by the way, the Georgia law allows more early voting days than Colorado. But for Major League Baseball, it's not about that. Major League Baseball is taking their orders from a group of five-star generals that are engaging in economic and political warfare domestically. Because they know that if elections start to reform, 
their power grab is going to weaken. It's less likely that they're always going to be calling the shots. The reason they're doing this is because Georgia did something meaningful. It's because Georgia actually reformed a core component of their voting system. When you send an absentee ballot, we have to know where you are. And if you want evidence that this last election wasn't conducted perfectly, just look at how they're reacting to how you're reforming the election. You see, if this election was conducted perfectly, why are they so upset that we're trying to prove that when you send an absentee ballot, we know who you are? The obvious reason is that with 1.2 million mail-in ballots in Georgia, the fact that all of a sudden there might be some measures to prove the identity of those people, that's a problem. So the Democrats are trying their best to send a signal to Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona. This is a move of political deterrence. It's not about black lives. It's not about systemic racism. It's not about any of that stuff. That's all a mirage. The mob had a theatrical ploy they used to use. Many of you have seen the movie Godfather. And one of the scenes in Godfather that is one of the most famous scenes in movie history is when one of the crime families wanted to send a message. They would kill the horse of the person they're trying to send a message to, cut the head off, and leave the horse's head in the bed of the person they're trying to send a message to. Pure intimidation. Sending a clear message to back off. The mob does these sort of tactics, smashing windows, showing up in your driveway, intimidation style. This is exactly what's happening in Georgia. Only it's manifested differently. They're trying to send a message to the governor of Arizona, the governor of Pennsylvania, who's a Democrat, but the legislature. If you pick this fight, this could be the last fight you ever pick. We will mobilize every major institution of influence to make it hurt. And the Democrats know that if they don't stop this early and they don't stop the spread of election reform, then they're going to be in trouble. And so the question will really be, or that really is, will Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, hold the line? It's no mystery to anyone that I've had some choice words for Brian Kemp. We actually were right up against each other on Fox News the other day. And I said some nice things about him signing the bill. And he responded and said some nice things. He may or may not be aware of some of the things I've said in the past. And I don't apologize for them. But I'm also going to compliment him for fixing a problem. Because it would be ten times worse if he acted as if he had nothing to fix. He knows there's a problem and he's trying to fix it. I'll give him a point of compliment for that. But he better not waver on this. I don't think he will. By all leading indicators, he knows that if he does not fix this election system and does not hold the line, 
then he'll be a one-term governor and Stacey Abrams will become governor of Georgia. We know that elections are in need of reform in our country. We know that. So Georgia puts a very vanilla bill forward and they lose the all-star game. They lose a $100 million stimulus to the black community. And Major League Baseball says this is against our values, even though they pride themselves on identification checks to get into their ballparks, if you have will-call tickets, or to get into one of their luxurious ruling-class private boxes. And all of these major institutions, from the head of Major League Baseball to the head of Coca-Cola to the head of Delta, are all taking their orders from activists that have developed a playbook inspired by Saul Linsky of economic warfare. Has there ever been an example before, and the great Molly Hemingway made this point, she's terrific, of a U.S. president waging economic war on a state because they don't like the way that they've reformed their elections? It's unprecedented. Could you imagine if Donald Trump did that? Of course not. That should be an impeachable offense, by the way. To support the divestment of Georgia as if Georgia is Iran. Let me say that again. Joe Biden has called for more economic warfare against the state of Georgia than the totalitarians that run Iran. Mull over that. Think about it. Why? Because Georgia's election law is a bigger threat to what Joe Biden cares about than Iran. Joe Biden doesn't care about the country. He cares about his own power. Our entire political discourse, whether you realize it or not, every major public policy decision is around one pressing concern for Democrats. And that is, who is going to be in charge for the next couple decades? Who's going to be in power? And what's the way that we decide that? It's less about even transformational change right now. They realize that they do not have the votes nor public opinion to put forward nationalized health care, to put forward the confiscation of weapons. They're going to try on some of those things. But the one thing the radicals and the technocrats on the Democrat Party can agree on is that the possession of power is the absolute top priority. That is their ultimate purpose. That is the main reason that all of them can agree on H.R. 1 and the opposition to the Georgia bill, which is why they're so focused on a form of political deterrence, that as soon as Georgia begins to reform their elections, they must go scorched earth. They must make an example out of them. Joe Biden is treating Brian Kemp like he's Saddam Hussein. That we must go find him, we must make an example of him. And of course I'm being a little bit hyperbolic for Media Matters that's watching, obviously. The point I'm making is that the economic warfare that they're waging against Georgia and the language that they're using feels that they are playing into their neoconservative impulses of how they used to play war games with foreign countries. 
Listen to what Elon Omar has to say in cut four, justifying the boycotts as if Georgia is Iran. Now, before I play this tape, Elon Omar has never called for a boycott of Iran. Elon Omar has never called for a boycott of China. Elon Omar has never called for a boycott of Cuba. No, for Elon Omar, Georgia is the true existential evil on the planet. Play cut four. I mean, we know that uh, boycotts have um, allowed for justice to be uh, delivered in, in many spaces. The, the civil rights movement was rooted in, in boycotts. Uh, we know that, you know, uh, apartheid uh, ended in South Africa because of boycotts. Uh, and so our hope uh, is that, you know, this boycott uh, will result in changes in the law. She doesn't even know what's in the law, and she has no concern to actually learn about it, but that she admitted it. She admitted the point I've been making this entire program that is so clear and obvious. They think Georgia is the new South Africa because they expanded voting hours. They have more early voting days than Colorado. And because they want you to prove your identity when you send in an absentee ballot. To her, that's the equivalent of apartheid. She doesn't actually believe that. She doesn't. But she's engaging in that language intentionally to mobilize the punishment or to mobilize the muscle so that other states don't follow. I want to get to tape here of Governor Brian Kemp. Cut 27 of Brian Kemp on the impacts of Major League Baseball on the move and how people need to say, enough and stand up to ca cancel culture people are getting screwed in this martha it's a small hard-working business people that are up in cobb county and in the metro atlanta area that are going to get hurt by the all-star game being pulled from here it's baseball fans it's kids that now for the rest of their adult or, or life as they transition into adults they're going to see the politicization mm. of baseball and sports People should be scared to death that it's going to come to their neighborhood, to their state, to their ball game, you know, to their college, to their, mm. you know, business. I mean, th this is outrageous. People need to stand up and join the fight and say, look, we are done with the cancel culture and this pressuring. Let's just play yeah. sports and leave the politics so, out of it and don't hurt the little guy in the process. I, I hear you, sir. I so. The, the term cancel culture is not wrong here. It's incomplete. This is mafioso-style tactics to intimidate and show up with the muscle, the enforcement arm, so that we will conform to what the Democrats want in our country. If they can't get what they want through the government, which they can't, they'll lean on the media. That didn't work. They'll lean on their activists. That didn't work. They'll lean on their colleges. That didn't work. And then finally, they'll lean on their corporations or their massive institutions and since the entire political discourse on the left and everything that intersects with public policy is all about voting and how we actually put people into office this fight warrants the biggest response imaginable the most dramatic response imaginable a good question was asked of Jen Psaki is is the tone going to change out of the White House 
Is there going to be a correction? It standardizes or? the ending of voting every day at five, right? It just gives seven, options. Seven to seven is what it, it gives options to expand it, right? But it standardizes it at five. It also makes it so that uh, outside groups can't provide water or food to people in line, right? But it vote, makes it more difficult to absentee vote. Are those things all correct? Voting on the day of is seven to seven, and early voting um, uh, can standardize adding Saturday and Sunday. So. And I don't know who this journalist is, but God bless him for just speaking facts. It expands the voting hours. You could still give water to people in line. In fact, the law allows for receptacles to be there if you're in line to go get water to go vote. And again, voting in Georgia is not exactly the same physical demand on the body as becoming a Navy SEAL in Coronado, California. We're talking about voting. And you could bring your own water. And if you're a non-political organization, you can give out water for people to vote. And so Jen Psaki is lying intentionally about this. Do you know in Colorado where they move the All-Star game, they have 15 days of early voting? In Georgia, they have 17 days of early voting. None of the facts around this actually matter. It's irrelevant. What really matters... And why I say they're irrelevant is because the more we bring them up, the Democrats will just filibuster a Jen Psaki will lie. What they're trying to do is make it hurt. They want Georgia to cry uncle. They want Georgia to tap out. They want Georgia to say, all right, you've punished us enough. We give up. That's the purpose. The purpose here is to economically torture the good people of Georgia and then send a warning sign. They want to leave someone battered and beat in the street and then yell to the apartment buildings as if this was a mafioso tactic. Who's next? Anyone want to question that we run these streets? That's what they're doing. They want the other state legislatures now in Arizona to say, boy, I don't know if I want to deal with this. I don't know if I want to wade into this. When the reaction from us should be the opposite, which is if they are pulling out every single stop that they have, if they are pulling out every single tool at their disposal, then it should be more reason than ever to go past these bills. The fact they care so much about very vanilla and quite honestly weak voting reform shows that there's something structurally flawed with this system. And Democrats will not have to answer about how 30% of all the businesses in the all-star game area are black-owned businesses and a $100 million stimulus. And BLM Incorporated is silent. If BLM Incorporated actually cared about black lives and black entrepreneurship, they'd be really upset about this. Molly Hemingway, Cut 22, she says what we've been saying, that this Georgia bill is actually very weak. Cut 22. I think that's the first time in American history that an American president has called for economic warfare against a state that dutifully passed legislation to secure, to do anything, but in this case, to secure elections. If Republicans and other Americans are going to be called racist for trying to have free and fair elections, they actually should pass legislation that that has some meat to it. This Georgia legislation, if there's any scandal to it, is that it's weak 
weak does not do enough to secure elections. In this country, if you want to have a republic, you need to have confidence in elections. Molly Hemingway is absolutely right. This is what we're fighting over, a weak voter reform bill. But they don't want it to spread. They want to end the conversation right here. They want to display to the rest of the world with their cultural guillotine that if you dare cross the Rubicon, if you cross the line, we will make an example out of you. Pure thug intimidation tactics. So how do you deal with that? Well, we all know how you deal with bullies. We know how you do that. You stand up directly against them. And what Georgia should do is they should pass another voting law right now. Is that Brian Kemp should introduce mandatory voter ID all across the state of Georgia. Brian Kemp should say, hey, if you're going to treat me as if we're South Africa, then we're going to pass some really aggressive voting reform bills that are not racist in nature, obviously. But if you're going to treat me at the highest threshold of economic punishment you have, then let's, let's get started. Might as well. What else you got? You pulled out the CEO of the largest employer in Georgia, Delta, the CEO of one of the largest companies on the planet, Coca-Cola, and the head of one of the largest sports, the second or third largest sport in the country, Major League Baseball, to then move and re-domicile your all-star game. The way you stand up against this is directly. You look at them in the eyes. You say, we're not going to tolerate your economic warfare or the torture tactics, the waterboarding tactics to try to have Georgia tap out and say, we're not going to reform elections. We need to do the opposite. I want to go to cut 24. Mitch McConnell, Republicans are starting to realize that corporations are not our friend. I wish this would have, wish this would have surfaced before we cut all of these corporations' tax rate instead of strengthening small businesses and middle-class workers, but better late than never. Mitch McConnell says that corporations should stay out of politics. Play tape. And I found it completely discouraging to find a bunch of corporate CEOs uh, getting in the middle of politics. My advice to the corporate CEOs of America is to stay out of politics. Those are some harsh words by Mitch McConnell's standards. And I think Mitch McConnell feels a little burned. Mitch McConnell should feel burned. He's carried the Chamber of Commerce corporate agenda for decades. And now the very same people that used to be on speed dial for Mitch McConnell, that represent the biggest corporations across the country, they're now undermining Mitch McConnell's opportunity to go retake the Senate. Because these corporations have no loyalty at all. All they care about is profit maximization. They don't care about the country. They don't care about the well-being of America. That used to be the case. It used to be the case 30 or 40 years ago. Coca-Cola was a pro-American company. Now Coca-Cola is run by a foreigner, and we have to be lectured about whether or not Coca-Cola represents American values. But again, this is all about voting. Not the voting the way that you and I think of it. It's about power. Every single public comment, discussion, and disagreement all roads lead to H.R. 1. All of them. Deep down, the Democrats are colluding, conspiring, and meeting. And they say, hey, we might not be in power in a year and a half.
So what do we do? And one of the Machiavellian of the group will raise his hand and say, I reject the premise. H.R. 1. Change elections. Blame it on racism if they won't. Get it done. And we'll have a one-party country. Just listen to Bernie Sanders. Respond to Mitch McConnell and somehow bizarrely bring in H.R. 1. Play tape. After a trillion dollars of tax breaks, the large corporations that are lowering the corporate tax rate, after protecting the pharmaceutical industry uh, from charging us by far the highest prices in the world for prescription drugs, etc., etc., Mitch McConnell and his friends are very upset that some corporations are now saying that it is an outrage that in Georgia they are trying to destroy democracy and make it harder for people of color and low-income people to vote. And our job is, among other things, to pass H.R. 1, an important piece of legislation which says that in America, if you are 18 years of age, no matter what they do in Georgia or any place else, you got the right to vote. That's not what the bill says, obviously. Everyone has the right to vote if you're over 18, if you're a citizen. No one's contesting that, Bernie. What you're saying is, will they get automatically registered to vote and send a ballot whether or not they request one? Obvious little detail he omits there. But if I was Bernie Sanders, I'd be saying this too. He's rubbing it in Mitch McConnell's face, and he should. Bernie Sanders says, I'm the Bolshevik, I'm a Leninite, and the corporations are on my side. And you're the one that carried the water for them. So Bernie Sanders is having some fun with them. And he should. If I was him, I'd be doing that too. Because the very same people that Mitch McConnell thought were on our team, Delta, Coca-Cola, Major League Baseball, are now saying, you know what? We want to side with the Leninites. Not you, Mitch McConnell. And Mitch is basically saying, do you not remember all that I did for you? I cut your corporate taxes. I deregulated your economy. I protect your pseudo-monopolies. And now you're going out and calling it Jim Crow 2.0? And Delta and Coca-Cola said, says, sorry, all we care about is profit maximization. We never actually cared about the country. So more than anything else, this economic strangulation that they're attempting at Georgia is a policy of election reform deterrence. They want to nationalize our elections, and they want to keep them sloppy, messy, unknown, uncertain, and untrustworthy. This Georgia law is a small step to try to restore confidence in American elections. And it's imperative that we hold the line and pass more laws like it across the country. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. This is Jerry Boyer of Town Hall Finance for townhall.com. Ron Paul, the eclectic former congressman, coined the slogan, Audit the Fed. While I appreciate the sentiment, I think it misses the main point. I'm not so much worried that the Fed is lying about what's on its balance sheet. I'm more worried that it's telling the truth about it. I'm concerned about what we do know. Case in point, the Fed just recently released its audited financials, and they show a massive expansion in size, growing 130% in just one year. They have tentacles in just about everything. 
not just financing our federal deficit, but even making massive investments in commercial and residential real estate loans. That's right. Trillions in newly created dollars have been thrown into real estate markets through mortgage-backed securities. What could go wrong? Has the memory of 2008-9 already faded? We need a renewal of fiscally responsible voices in Congress who will work to keep the Fed accountable. I'm Jerry Boyer. Publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu.